It's Saturday, June the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden's DOJ to investigate Trump's and the Delta strain on a tear. First, the week in brief. America's Department of Justice assigned an independent inspector general to investigate the Trump administration's subpoenaing of Apple for phone records of prominent Democrats in 2017 and 2018. Its prosecutors had been hunting for leaks stemming from an investigation into contacts between Russia and the Trump campaign. Democratic senators have called for Jeff Sessions and William Barr, two of Mr. Trump's attorneys general, to testify under oath. American legislators introduced five bills to break up the biggest tech firms. The effort is bipartisan, a rarity in Washington today, and would, among other things, force companies to make consumer data portable between platforms and block the firms from buying competitors and from selling services at a competitive advantage on platforms they own. Though bipartisan, the bills face daunting odds. The Delta strain of COVID-19, the fourth, quote, variant of concern of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, first detected in India and now gaining ground on both sides of the Atlantic, is 60% more transmissible than the Alpha variant, according to England's public health authority. Delta is also more resistant to vaccines. Jabs produced by Pfizer-BioNTech and AstraZeneca are 17% less effective after the first dose than against the Alpha variant, But crucially, that gap closes after a second shot. Hong Kong's censors were empowered by the territory's government to prevent screenings of films perceived as a threat to Chinese national security. Previously, the film censorship authority did not assess political content. It is the latest in a series of crackdowns on freedoms in the city by its government at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party. Didi, a Chinese ride-hailing company, filed papers for an initial public offering in New York. Though the firm has been tight-lipped about how many shares it would offer and at what price, Reuters reported that it would seek a valuation of up to $100 billion, making it the largest Chinese flotation in America since Alibaba in 2014. McDonald's told employees that hackers gained access to data regarding its American, South Korean and Taiwanese operations. Data concerning the business, its employees and some customers were stolen, though McDonald's claimed that no payment was demanded. Recently, an impressive series of businesses have been struck by ransomware attacks, the latest being another Chicago-based multinational, Invenergy, which runs solar and wind farms. Rupert Murdoch, the Australian media tycoon who built News Corp and its Fox News brand in America, wrote down the value of his flagship British tabloid The Sun to zero. The red top was hit hard by the pandemic, circulation fell and print advertising revenue dropped sharply. For decades, Britain's most read newspaper, The Sun recorded a pre-tax loss of £201 million in the year to June 2020. And word of the week... Emmet, noun, a pejorative Cornish word for non-Cornish people, used to refer to tourists and sure to be heard during the G7 summit there. In Devon, the equivalent term is grockle. And now, here's today's agenda. Stealing the show. Asked which role he'd most like to play, Omar Sy picked Arsène Lupin. 
If I were English, I would say James Bond, the French actor reckoned, but the thieving hero of Maurice Leblanc's novels is, quote, fun, funny, and very elegant. That role still eludes him, but Mr. Sy has earned a claim for the next best thing, playing Assan Diop, a, quote, gentleman thief who uses Leblanc's books as a template for his misdeeds in Lupin, Netflix's French-language thriller. Lupin stole the spotlight on its debut in January. Netflix says that 80 million households watched it worldwide in its first month, making it the streaming giant's most popular show for the first quarter of 2021. Fans will be excited to know not only that more episodes have been released this week, but that the show's creator, George Kay, and his protagonist have plenty of material to inspire them. LeBlanc wrote more than 50 stories featuring the charming criminal. Blind Sight Smartphone Zombies They shamble slowly through the streets of Seoul, eyes fixed, mouths agape. These zombies are not the rotting cadavers of a million derivative films, they are, quote, smartphone zombies, scrolling and tapping at their phones as they move around town. Pang Min Wook, a South Korean designer, has come up with a satirical solution that he hopes might wake his fellow Solites from their torpor. His third eye is strapped to the user's forehead, automatically opening when they crane their neck to look down at their phone. It scans the vicinity for roads, pedestrians and other hazards, beeping loudly before the wearer crashes into something or wanders into traffic. Though Mr. Pying embarked on this elaborate gesture for fun, he also gloomily predicts that, quote, this is the look of future mankind. It's hard not to wonder whether a tool that helps zombies avoid hazards won't just make it safer to stare at their screens, feeding the outbreak. The Price of Fashion, Medieval Shoes and Bunions Britain's National Health Service has just one piece of guidance for avoiding bunions. To prevent the bony lumps forming on the feet, quote, do not wear high heels or tight pointy shoes. Sadly, medieval England was bereft of such wisdom. The authors of a study in the International Journal of Paleopathology inspected 177 skeletons buried in Cambridge and found a link between bunions and a very medieval fashion trend, extremely pointy shoes. While 6% of skeletons from the High Middle Ages had bunions, 27% of those dating from the 14th and 15th centuries did. This coincides perfectly with the emergence of a popular type of pointed brogues called poulains. Moreover, skeletons of older people with bunions, which are known to cause falls, were more likely to have broken bones than those without. Plus ça change. Even back then, old codgers were refusing to dress their age and paying the price, while the fashionable foolishness of smarting shoes endures today. Caught sleeping. Fatigue at the Euros. Football's European Championship, which just kicked off, will be an exercise in endurance. For most countries, the last two domestic seasons were effectively run back-to-back because of the pandemic. Many players at Euro 2020 will have had two years without a proper rest. But the fatigue won't be evenly distributed. The average English player clocked 3,246 minutes on the pitch during the domestic season, the highest in the tournament. That's the equivalent of 36 full matches. The French aren't far behind at 3,059. 
By contrast, the Slovaks have played just 1,571 minutes. Russia, Wales and Turkey are also looking rested. This could cut either way. England might be in the groove and able to push through, and having the youngest squad in the tournament won't hurt, while players with less recent game time could prove rusty. The Euros have a history of upsets, and the pandemic will make it even more unpredictable than usual. Saturday Profile – Xie Zhengli There are two competing theories about COVID-19's origins. Did SARS-CoV-2 jump from an animal to humans in a case of, quote, zoonotic spillover, or did it leak from a Chinese lab? At the heart of that second hypothesis is a laboratory in the Wuhan Institute of Virology in central China. It is run by Dr. Shi Zhengli, a scientist also known as Batwoman. Dr. Shi's nickname is well-earned. She has spent years scrambling through caves looking for bat guano and studying how animal coronaviruses evolve and spread. Her team proved that SARS, which terrorized Asia in 2003, came from the flying mammals. It also warned repeatedly that worse would follow. Then, on December 30, 2019, doctors at a Wuhan hospital spotted an unusual strain of pneumonia in the patients and sent her samples. She says she rushed to the lab and identified COVID-19 for the first time. She told Scientific American last June that at first she feared it had come from her lab, but the new coronavirus did not match any of her samples. She concluded that it came from bats, infecting humans via an as-yet-unidentified intermediary host animal. Many scientists agreed, as did a delegation from the World Health Organization. But the WHO spent just three hours at the WIV in February this year, hardly enough time for a robust investigation. Foreign scientists want more transparency and data from China. Investigators have struggled to gain access to the WIV and other crucial sites, including the Wuhan Center for Disease Control and Prevention, which also studies bat diseases. And Dr. Xu, once a prominent figure, has since shrunk from view. Her name appears on new research, but photos of her in a biohazard suit are no longer circulated. Joe Biden has given America's intelligence services until late summer to report on the, quote, lab leak theory. The WHO has said it is, quote, extremely unlikely that such a, quote, laboratory incident was to blame. If the Americans disagree, Dr. Schur should expect again to be at the center of attention. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Herbert Reed, who died on this day in 1968. The work of art is an instrument for tilling the human psyche, that it may continue to yield a harvest of vital beauty. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.